Hey guys, um, do you ever feel like it's Wednesday, but it's basically like the week's over? Like it's basically Sunday night and you're, you're just like a few hours away from the week starting over. I feel like, the, I feel like the way my week is broken up, sometimes on a Wednesday, I'm like, well, I really only have two more days. And then it's the weekend, and then, then we're back to square one. And I'm only two days into the week, and it feels like it's over. It's kind of, kind of disturbing. It's like a, it's like a Monday Wednesday. It's not a full Wednesday. It's a Monday Wednesday. It's a men's day. Um, yeah, so it's a men's day. So I should really be focusing on man things. Um. That's why I'm recording a podcast. What is more manly than talking about my feelings or, you know, just trying to express myself, have a cathartic experience. It's all wrapped up in, um, what's the opposite of toxic masculinity? Um, loving masculinity, productive masculinity, um, Beautiful masculinity. Anyways, that's what I'm dealing with. I'm dealing with a men's day where it's Wednesday, but it basically feels like Sunday night. But um, welcome to the Of Stone and Clay podcast. Happy to be with you today. Um, today I'm talking about matters of the heart. This was supposed to be sort of a volume two episode about Valentine's Day where I kind of answer some questions the uh, the listeners have about love and about relationships, etc. Um, I did one of these last year for Valentine's Day, but we're a few days past, but that doesn't really change anything. It's just less of a, uh, you know, it's like when people, you know, people love alliterations. People love doing like a... Um, like a French Fry Friday, um, where they love doing like a like a freaking you know you know freaking a uh, Mazel Tov Monday, baby. Um, but it's like just because it's Tuesday doesn't mean you can't have some Mazel. Um, but people love alliterations and people love saying, oh, it's it's Valentine's Day, so we're doing a Valentine's Day special or we're doing a Valentine's Day edition or whatever. But it's the same concept. It's just a few days late. Um, it's kind of like after Halloween, you still like candy. You just feel kind of silly perching it in bulk. Um, so don't feel silly listening to... Uh, Matters of the heart a few days after the heart day because um, the matters are still relevant. Um, and it got me thinking because I, I got asked a lot of questions and I'm going to go over a bunch of them, but it got me thinking just in general about relationships and how complicated they can be and how they can really sort of bring out the best or, or the worst in us. And it's interesting to kind of sit back and observe it in other people 
especially while you're single, right? While you're single, it's very easy to observe relationships and say, oh, that one sucks, that one's dumb, they're unhappy, they are smelly, um, because it makes you feel better, right? It makes you feel like, well, I might as well be alone because it's better than whatever they're doing, right? They're arguing in public, they're, um, you know, buying a house they can't afford, they're complaining about their kids, they're, you know, they hate each other, but their Instagram posts state otherwise. Um, so it's easy to look at couples and different people and kind of just rag on them. Um, but it got me thinking, so I'm from a small town and when I say I'm from a small town, I mean, I lived there from the year 2001 to 2005, um, my high school years, formative years, but my parents still live there. So I'm back there from time to time. My grandma still lives there. I have an aunt and uncle and cousins, um, and a bunch of friends, right? A bunch of people I know. The town is about 2,000 people-ish. It's called Monroe, Utah. Um, and it's surrounded by a lot of other little towns. You know, we got we got Elsinore, we got Joseph, we got Severe. We got towns you've never heard of. Um, unless you're pretty, you know, you're pretty savvy with a map. Um, you know your cartography, your topography, your orography. If you know all that stuff, you might be in a good place. But if not... You don't know about Annabelle, Utah. You don't know about Central Valley, Utah. You certainly don't know about Austin, Utah. Okay? Um, so, you know, six or seven of these little towns kind of feed into one little high school. And so even though you live in one little town, you're very familiar with the others. Your friends live there. Your teachers, your coaches, um, your religious leaders, whatever. They're all in the area. Um, and then, you know, you have your other pockets of towns, um, you know, for the other high school across the way, 10, 15 minutes away. But anyway, I realized, and I've known this for a while, but I was just thinking about it this week. I realized in a small town, for whatever reason, there is an alarming amount of infidelity. There's an alarming amount of marriages that implode because of affairs. And I won't name names, um, but <laughs> I swear every time I talk to somebody from back home, it's, uh, oh, did you hear um, that? Uh, <laughs> I don't even want to use fake names because they might actually be real names that I don't realize. Um but, you know, did you hear so-and-so um, slept with uh, Coach Blah Blah Blah's wife and uh, um, and their daughter walked in and found out? Like, I hear stuff like this all the time, and it's crazy. There was, there was even, there's even a family in my hometown-ish, not, not my precise hometown, but there's a family where there was an affair between a mother-in-law and a son-in-law. What is that? That's, that's weird. That's backwards stuff. Um, <laughs> and those are the matters of the heart. The heart wants what the heart wants, but sometimes the heart wants 
terrible things. And those desires are probably caused from a lot of issues. And it's one thing to have desires. It's a whole nother thing to act on those desires. And it's a whole nother thing to repeatedly act on those desires until you get caught. Um, and you know what? I could be way off. Maybe there's just as much infidelity per capita in other cities and big cities all around the world. Um, it's just more people hear about it in small towns. It's easier to gossip. It's easier to get caught. Um, like you got to be crazy in a town of 2,000 people to have a full-blown affair because there's nowhere to hide. You know, there's nowhere to blend in. Um, there, there's no one, it's not safe to tell anyone. Because you know how secret gets out, secrets get out. You tell one person and that one person sa- says, no, 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 I, w- I won't tell anybody. But they tell their spouse or they tell their best friend. And they say the same thing. Don't, I shouldn't tell you this. It's crazy. It could ruin their life if it gets out. But so-and-so, no, 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 you know? And then they say, oh, wow, yeah, I won't tell anybody. And then they tell their best friend or their brother. And um, eventually 18 people know about it and your secret's out and you're divorced and you are paying alimony and child support and blah, 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 blah for the rest of your life. So, I don't know why I was thinking about this, but it's just, it's hilarious to me that people would try that. I understand being unhappy in a marriage. I understand not being able to control your your most base desires, right? Not that it's okay, but I understand, I get it, but... To be so foolish to think that you would get away with it and then to do it again and again and again. Why not? I never understood this concept. Why not just, if you're going to, if you're going to do that, why not just bow out of the marriage? Why not just get a divorce and then be like, you know, just, just be honest with yourself. Obviously be honest with your spouse or your partner, but just be honest with yourself, like, hey, I I can't be monogamous. I can't be faithful, so I'm going to leave. Or I'm not going to get married to begin with. Um, but people, people have a very, very hard time being honest with themselves about everything. Um, people don't like to admit their faults, their weaknesses, their kind of their evil side. Um... And because they can't be honest with themselves, they end up doing terrible things. And I think a lot of it starts with them telling themselves that those things aren't so terrible and that they are uh, excusable and understandable and everybody does it. Um, but yeah, so if we can learn any anything from today's episode of matters of the heart, because we're not really going to be talking about affairs and infidelity the whole time. That's neither here nor there. But... It brings home a very important point that self-honesty is 
unbelievably important in relationships. Whether you want to better the relationship you have with yourself or with anyone, anything. Um, Self-honesty is imperative. Um, okay, let's get to uh, let's get to some of these questions. Had some good ones. I also had a few that weren't questions at all. I um, I believe I said, you know, ask me some some questions about love, matters of the heart, etc. And I had someone just say, love languages. Not a question, um, but we can talk about those. In a minute, um, somebody said different types of love, platonic, familial, familial, um, passionate, etc. I don't know if they want me to explore all the types of love. I think people know what they are. Um, Somebody said deep dive into the pain behind unrequited love. Kind of a question. They're just asking me to do something, I guess. Um... And maybe we'll dive a little bit. But let's start with the actual cues. Okay. Um, First one is, why does dating have to make me feel more depressed and discouraged? That's a good question. Um, It it sucks because it shouldn't have to, right? It shouldn't have to make you feel that way. Um. And it doesn't always, but it's really hard to not feel that sort of despondency and hopelessness when dating is going poorly and you're not finding a connection and you're not, you know, things just are perpetually not working out. Um, And whether it's your fault or not, it it doesn't really mitigate the pain and suffering, right? Um, Because a lot of times in dating, I think it is just as much our fault as the rest of the, uh, you know, you can, you can blame the, the opposite sex. You can blame dating as a whole, as an institution, you can blame the culture, the sort of milieu that you live in, um, the demographics you could, or you can blame, you know, you can blame it on luck. Um, or you can kind of, take a step back and ask yourself, well, what am I offering the opposite sex? What am I offering in the dating pool, in the dating market? What am I bringing to the table? And furthermore, what am I bringing to a relationship? What am I bringing to, um, once I do find a connection, what am I doing to make that connection continue and thrive and blossom? Um, And so it's hard because when you're sort of evaluating why dating is so painful and discouraging and depression-inducing, I think you have to ask yourself some hard questions. You have to ask yourself, well, am I... All the things that I'm searching for and looking for and want in a partner, am I delivering those same goods? Am I offering those same qualities? And, and maybe you are, maybe you're an awesome candidate. Maybe you're doing your best. You're looking to self-improve. You're honest, you're generous, you're loving. Um, 
but sometimes it's still just hard because it's it's hard to connect. You know, for some people, it's very easy to connect with people, but it's hard to find somebody that you connect with above all else, right? Um, like for me, I feel like I have so many amazing close friends that I have such such a real visceral connection with that when I don't feel that connection with a girl, I'm kind of like, well, you know, we might be having fun. You might be very attractive to me, but man, like there's six or eight people in my life that I would rather spend time with because we have a deeper connection. And nobody wants to verbalize that when you're dating and somebody asks why it isn't working out or why the, uh, the spark is gone or whatever. But sometimes you just, you want to feel more for someone than you do. And it's hard. Um, and sometimes, sometimes you're, I think people look for the wrong things. They, the type of people they want to be with aren't the type of people they should be with. Um, and again, that requires some self-reflection, some some self-honesty that sometimes is very difficult. Um, but at the end of the day, there's no great answer for why is it discouraging, why is it depressing. It just is. It's a hard thing, and it's hard to be satisfied with, well, I'm just going to focus on myself. I'm going to appreciate life for what it is, and I'm, I'm going to enjoy the journey. All the cliches that go with <laughs> with being single um, a lot of them are true, but they're, you know, they're hard. So I wish I had a better answer for you, but that's what I got. Um, next question. Do you believe in soulmates? Um, my answer is yes and no. So I definitely don't believe that there is only one person for everyone out there. Because that doesn't make any sense. And for that to be the case, <laughs> you would have to have even numbers on the earth at all times. Or there would be people just predispositioned to have, or predestined to die alone. Or to never find love. And I don't think that's the case either. Um, and it's like, what if, you know, you, you can believe in in destiny all you want. Um, but what if you, what if you move around? Does that mean if you have a soulmate, you need to stay where you are? Or does it mean, does it mean no matter what you'll find your soulmate or your soulmate will find you? Um, well, what if you're being kind of a schmendrick for, for a while? You have a few years where you're not very dateable. You're not very available emotionally. What happens if your soulmate meets somebody else? Um, gosh, I would, I would have a very hard time if I believed that um, to its core. But I do believe there are certain people out there that... I don't know. I almost don't want to say that you're meant to be together. But the thing is, when you meet that person, it feels like that, right? It feels like they're your soulmate, like it was written in the stars, like you knew each other before this world existed, and maybe you did. 
But maybe you didn't. And maybe it feels that way because you just love each other. And that love kind of, I don't know, love kind of makes you a little bit irrational. But sometimes in a good way. Because I think it's good to feel like whoever you're with is your soulmate. Whether it's true or not doesn't really matter. Um, But I, I do think it's important to realize that you can be happy and you can be exceedingly happy with a number of, of different people. And I think the more people date, the more they realize that. I think the type of people that truly, um, truly believe that they're, they have one soulmate out there for them probably got married when they are 18. And, and that's fine. You know, if you want to believe that, good. You'll probably have a very happy life. Um, but then what happens if, you know, 10 years down the road, you guys change and you want different things and you decide to get a divorce, but that was your soulmate. So are you just, are you screwed now? Like, or your soulmate dies. Um, are you just screwed? Do you just give up on love? Um, or do you find yourself a second soulmate? Is that a thing? So I understand the, uh, the beauty behind thinking or feeling like the person you're with is the only one for you. But it's kind of hogwash, honestly. Um, but I get it. Listen, I'm a romantic. Sometimes I meet a girl and I think, man, I can't, I can't envision, I can't see a world where there's a better option for me. You know, I can't see somebody, I can't imagine a girl would get me more than this girl gets me. Or I can't imagine myself loving someone as much as I love this person. But then you meet somebody else and you do. Um, and that's okay. Um, next question. Kind of in a similar vein, do you believe in love at first sight? Um... I would say ultimately no, um, but because here's the thing, it's easy to like, I think it's easy to meet somebody, date them, fall in love, get married, and then look back and say, yeah, when I, when I saw her, I knew, and it was love at first sight, but what if, what if she told you to go to told you to go to hell after three dates. Um, was it still love at first sight, even though she didn't love you back? Um, I just don't think it's a thing, but it sounds so lovely. It really does. And I've, my imagination has gone wild and I've seen girls and met girls and, and felt kind of a glimmer of that a sliver of it where I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I don't know what it was about them. I just saw them and, but really in just in sight, in seeing someone, you, you don't know anything about them. Even if you think you're good at reading people or you, you know about auras or energy or any weird esoteric stuff that helps you understand people, um, you don't know how they react to things. You don't know, you know, if they're capable of loving you back. You really just know what they look like. 
and maybe you get a vibe, right? You get a vibe for, um, for, for lack of a better word, for their energy, right? How they're, you know, their, um, their mannerisms, what they're doing, how they're laughing, the, the twinkle in their eye. You see little things and you start to build yourself a nice little fairy tale. And again, I don't think there's anything wrong with that because sometimes that helps you take that plunge of faith in, in following for someone. Because really to fall in love is, is an act of faith, to give yourself over to someone so much. So it's okay to build a little fantasy in your head. I got no problem with it. But to take a step back and really honestly take it at face value and say, yeah, the first time I saw this human being, I fell in love um, is a little silly to me. But I'm okay with silliness. So if somebody says that and believes it, I'm not going to argue with them. I'm not going to be mad at them. I just don't think it's going to happen for me. And I don't think it's really the way things work. But some people don't believe in God. And I believe in God. So that's fine. Um, Let's see. Next question. Do you think it's possible to love multiple people at a time? Hmm. Well, if you go back to episode, I think, 11 or 12, um... I had this girl, Adrian on, and we talked about polyamory because she sort of believed in that um, system of of uh, free love, I guess you want to call it. I don't know. 1960s sort of stuff. Um, and it was a very interesting chat, but I personally, I don't believe in polyamory as an institution, as a way of life. And I'm not coming from, I'm not approaching this from a moralistic viewpoint. I'm viewing it more like logistically, like, you know, it's kind of like the scripture, you can't serve God and mammon, meaning like you can't simultaneously serve God and the devil. You can't worship the devil and worship God in the same instance. And not that, you know, if you're dating two people, one is God and one is the devil, although that kind of might be the case, you can't, I feel like you can't fully love both of them because you'll start to love one a little bit more and then you'll start to resent the other or vice versa. And I'm sure there's, you know, there's obviously a way that people make it work. Um, But again, I don't know how honest they're being with themselves. If they think they fully love two people the exact same way, and those two, those two people don't care or, you know, they don't care about being shared or being part of a triangle or, or whatever. I just, I just don't believe if everyone's being honest with themselves that it can really, really work. But a lot, of, a lot of relationships work because people sweep things under the rug and pretend they aren't upset and pretend they aren't sad. And years go by and they stay together and they die. So it could work. I don't believe in it. Um, but from another, from another standpoint, I do understand sort of the notion of loving multiple people at once. 
Because sometimes, you know, you're with somebody, you break up, but you break up not because you're angry or because you were mistreated. You break up because it's just not working, right? You're not, you're not aligned. Your rhythm is off. Um, but you still love that person. You still love that person and you just know you're at a dead end. You're in one of those, you're in one of those big cul-de-sacs and there's no outlet. Um, so you break up, it's the right decision, but you're still hurt because you're still in love. Your heart is still tied to that human. And then a few weeks later, you meet somebody else and it's this, it's this crazy whirlwind of emotion and, and lust and excitement and an animation that you've never felt before. And you think maybe that's love too. But you still kind of have loving feelings for somebody else. And so I don't disbelieve that love for multiple people can exist in your heart at the same time. But I think it's unhealthy for that to persist forever, if that makes any sense. Like, eventually you need to fall out of love with person A if things are going to work out with person B. But there's, if there's overlap, I think that happens more than people realize. And I think that's okay. Because the heart needs to kind of heal on its own time. And, you know, this girl I dated years ago, she said something to me. It kind of disturbed me at the time. But I was like 22, 23, easily disturbed. Um, she was telling me about her ex. And she said, she's like, yeah, I'll always love him. Like, I'll always love him no matter what. <laughs> and I was like, first of all, his name was Guy. Like, don't name your son Guy. Cause you're not gonna you're not gonna name your daughter Lady. You're not gonna name your daughter Chick. So don't name your son Guy. Alright, Guy? Um so she was you know, she wasn't still in love with Guy. But, um, but she said, yeah, I'll always love him. And I was just like, dude, what? What do you mean? Like, stop loving guy. Um, but now, now that, you know, years later, I still don't love the way she said it. But I kind of get it. There's people from my past that I still care about. And I still have loving feelings for. Even though I don't necessarily spend much or any time thinking about them but when they do pop up when a when a memory resurges um I got nothing but love for them in my heart and if I see them you know um whether it's on Instagram or I run into them at the movie theater or a restaurant or whatever um it's nice to just have that love in your heart for them still and to not have animosity and not have these bad feelings for each other. Um, I think that's beautiful. But it's not this lingering, harboring, you know, passionate emotion. That's dissipated over the years. But, um, but love, and maybe love isn't the right word. I think sometimes people get caught up in the semantics, but the principle 
is that, yeah, I still care about that person. I'm not in love with them anymore, but I still care about them. So that's my answer. Um, let's see. Oh, this one, this one's kind of good. Um, somebody asked me my thoughts on kind of that famous quote, it's better to have love and lost than to never have loved at all. And what, what do I think about that? And first of all, I want to know who actually said that. Because you, you hear that attributed to different people, I think. And that's a pet peeve of mine. I hate unattributed quotes. But some of them are unattributable. It's hard to find the original person that said it, and that's okay. Um, is it better to have love and loss than to have never loved at all? I think, I think yes. Um, and when you're experiencing like recent heartache, y- you hate this quote, right? Because your heart is so demolished and your soul feels so eviscerated that you, you find zero solace in the fact that you loved, but now it's over, right? You wish you hadn't loved. But the inverse, if you go through life never feeling love, I think you'll feel a loneliness that is much greater than that temporary heartbreak because that loneliness kind of grows on itself. It kind of metastasizes and leads to kind of a, a ubiquitous depression in your life, I think, if, if you never ever love. So to me, I fully would rather have my heart broken a hundred times um, and to go to my grave as a failed, you know, s- someone who never marries, who never has children, who never finds the great love of their life, um, but who tried and who, you know, had, um, had moments of it. Um, And, you know, again, <laughs> I say I hate these these quotes that are attributed to no one, but I can't remember who said this, but um, somebody said basically that, you know, an old love, an old flame is kind of like, you know, it's kind of like a memory. It's kind of sometimes can be a, like a rainbow on a rainy day, which, gosh, that sounds so yucky, sounds so um, maudlin, but it's true. Sometimes you look back on small moments when you were really happy and it gets you through the day. It gets you through a moment because you remember that you can be that happy and that happiness, you know, happiness comes and goes as does sadness. And sometimes it feels like it'll never come back, but it always does in some form or another. And it's good to remember that, Hey, like I loved someone before and they loved me and we did this together and we talked about this and we connected about this and yeah, it's kind of beautiful to remember, I think. Some people might bring 
might just bring heartbreak, but I like to look back fondly on life and remember the good. And even if it was swirled in with bad, that's okay. I don't mind. Um, last question. Um, it says, love versus lust. Which draws in a person faster? Um, I think right out of the gates, lust will draw you in faster. Because I don't think love can happen as quickly. I think love will draw you in more efficiently. Um, because love in its purest form is everlasting, right? Whereas lust is never a lasting emotion. Lust, by its very definition, dies pretty quick. Um, and I think lust can kind of dovetail into love and into passion and romance and all this stuff. Um, it doesn't have to stay lust. I think it can start as lust and turn into something more real. But ultimately, um, and, and maybe, that's, maybe that's more for guys, right? We are much more visual creatures. We see a female, um, even the best of us, we lust after them a little bit. And, and maybe in a less crass way, we don't lust after them, but we, we see their beauty um, and that attracts us, right? And that phenomenon is something that works much quicker than love. Um, unless you believe in love at first sight, then, then that acts much faster than lust. Because if you go straight to love, the lust is probably never there. Um, so interesting concept, I guess. But yeah, those are, those are the questions. Um, I'm sure people, people, at my age, people ask me about dating and my love life every single day of my existence. And a lot of times they want to set me up with their friends. And their friends, usually, the main reason they want to set me up with them is because they're also single. Um, or because they're nice. Which is not an adjective that excites me. Even though you want someone to be nice. To me, it's like, <laughs> well, they better be nice. It's like saying, yeah, yeah, this girl, you're going to love her. She has a pulse. She has a really excellent pulse. Um, you can feel it on her wrist, her neck. Um, there's various other points where you can feel it, but she is alive, and she is always alive the whole time I've known her. Um, that should be a uh, kind of a an implicit um, non-negotiable, right? Don't tell me somebody you're setting me up with is nice because they better freaking be nice. I'm not looking to date a mean, rude, awful person. Um, just like I'm not willing to date somebody without a pulse. You know? Call me old-fashioned. I want a lady that's nice and has a pulse. But there's some other qualities I'm into as well. So, if you're thinking about setting me up out there, I'm open to it. But please don't lead with, she's nice. Um... And really, you shouldn't lead with, she's so pretty, or she's so cute, or she's beautiful. Because that's highly subjective, too. So just 
you know, if you think I might be interested, show me a picture. Tell me something interesting about her. Um, heaven forbid someone's interesting. I I would love for someone to lead with that. Hey, I got a girl for you. She's she's such an interesting person. And then go from there, right? But you don't hear that. You hear, uh, yeah, this broad is, uh, she's nice. Um, she's single. She Oh, she's your age. Like, I care what age she is. Holy cow. Oh, you've been on the earth this many days? Oh, we must be more suitable for each other. Don't care. Don't care. Just care that you are legal and that your pulse isn't like slowing down, you know. I want that fast pulse. I want that Dale Earnhardt Jr. pulse. Um, so, yeah, I also feel like when people ask me about dating, it's like, if I'm not in a relationship, what what am, what am I supposed to say? It, is it going well? You know, if I've been on four dates with a girl, do I do I say, oh, it's going pretty good? But if I've only been on two dates, do I say, ah, oh, it's it's okay? You know, when people ask me how dating is going, I feel like saying, well, if you were really close to me, I would tell you. Actually, if you were really close to me, you would already know. Um, Or I feel like saying, you know, let's go to dinner and talk about it. Let's have supper because this is not a short conversation. Um, Although sometimes I feel like that just when people say like, hey, how are you doing? (laughs) I feel like saying, oh, gosh, I don't know how to answer that because I want to be forthright, right? I want to express myself in an honest way, and I want to communicate that to you. So me saying good isn't really true. It's not false, but it's not really the whole story. And then if you say anything remotely negative, they, you know, you're going to turn heads and you're going to get more questions. So I feel like saying when someone asks me how I'm doing or how dating's going, I feel like saying... I don't love tea, but let's get a cup of tea and talk about it. Um, maybe a soda. You know, maybe a maybe a juice. Maybe a thick juice. Kind of that creamy, thick juice with like a little bit of rind in it. You know? Um, obviously, to talk about something in depth, you need liquid. Or you're going to be in a dark spot. Anyway, um, I appreciate those who uh, asked the questions. Um, Matters of the heart are tricky. They're tricky and they're sticky. So if you have any more questions, anything you want me to unpack in the future, um, hit me up and we will try to dive into it. Try to make sense of some things and... Again, I think the most important thing to remember in all of this, in trying to make sense of your relationship, your, you know, your perpetual state of singleness, your bachelorhood, your, um, your love, whatever, is to be honest with yourself. Ask yourself why you're unhappy. Ask yourself why you are happy and how you can be happier. 
and ask yourself why you resent someone, why you are harboring negative feelings for someone, why you are discouraged, why you're depressed. Ask yourself these things, um, but ask in a way that you'll really try to answer them and really try to get to the bottom of things. Because otherwise, um, yeah, you'll probably just continue down an, an insidious path of emotional terror and I don't know when you'll get out the other side of it. So I love you guys. Um, appreciate the support. And, uh, you know, go uh, go review this on Apple Podcasts if you like it. You know, maybe say, hey, Taylor's voice was kind of soothing today. I was falling asleep and he helped me do that. Um, or I listened for an hour and I had two to three giggles, and those giggles were good, and they gave me a better day. Um, or, you know, we're talking about all this honesty. Give it to me straight. You know, tell me that my um, my voice is not melodious. It's not mellifluous. It's not, you know, honey-soaked. It's not soothing to the ears. It's not seductive. Go ahead and tell me that. Accept all criticism. Um, yeah, go do that. I love you, and we'll catch you guys later. This is episode 32 of Stone and Clay. Catch me at a... Don't, actually, don't catch me anywhere, but if you want to follow me, um, my personal Instagram is at TaylorChurch44. The podcast is of Stone and Clay Podcast. At of Stone and Clay Podcast. Um, and you can find me on YouTube. Just search Taylor Church. You'll find your guy. Okay, but not that guy I was talking about earlier. Guy, whatever his last name. I don't I never knew I never found out his surname. But you won't find that guy. You'll find this guy. Okay, we'll see you.